Amen. Well, we are talking about that kingdom, and uh, we've been uh, uh, looking at uh, the words of Jesus that pushes us beyond maybe what we have thought of when we thought of that salvation and the redemption that Jesus brings us, and I think we need to go beyond that. We need to begin to uh, uh, let God Open our ears to hear the fullness of what that call is. The call of salvation is not just a call of forgiveness, but it's to move into the peace and the grace and the life that Jesus is full of. You see, the fullness of life is only barely tasted in the forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness of sins is just the doorway. In fact, Jesus says, I am the door, and so we do have to come through the door. So that salvation and that, that redemption that Jesus made for us is very important. It's the, it's the, the, the glorious thing that we re- rejoice in because he's opened the door to us. But what he's saying is, come in the door. That once we find salvation, the true gospel is not the invitation. The true gospel is the attending It is the living it out. It is moving into what God has. And this is why the Bible says in Mark uh, chapter 1, as it opens up the ministry of Jesus, um, it says, now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And over and over again, if you read through the scriptures, it says Jesus preached the kingdom. If you listen to his stories... A lot of times he began his story like this, the kingdom of God is like, and he would talk about a farmer, or it's like a a landowner, or it's like a vineyard, Um, but he always talked about the kingdom of God, and so many times we miss that, uh, because we always want just what's in it for me, and so I want my salvation, and yet Jesus is trying to show us it's more than about you. It's about God bringing a kingdom a community, a family together. And and this is the gospel that he preached, the gospel of the kingdom. Because here's, we, we know the word gospel means good news. The good news is not that Jesus died for our sins. The the good news is that when Jesus died for our sins, that allowed us to enter into the kingdom of God. It unlocked the door. Um, is that that salvation is simply the unlocking of all that God wants us to then move into. And he said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand, so therefore repent and believe the gospel. Yes, we need to repent, we need to find forgiveness of sins, we need to be changed, we need to be born again, but how many know when you're born again, that means your whole life is ahead of you? You don't get born again and then just stay a baby. Um, You're expected to grow into and and begin to enjoy the gospel, this good news that now you have a new life. The kingdom of this world has been overcome. The kingdom of fear and, and frustration and chaos and all the things that we deal with in this life, he's saying, you don't have to worry anymore. I have established a new kingdom. Now, a new kingdom means there's a new king. That means there's someone else in charge. How many know that many times in our world, we're looking for someone else to be in charge? Especially now, we look around us and say, oh my goodness, is this what we are living under? Jesus says, 
I've already established a kingdom right now. And it starts in us, but it is going to move outward from there. And there's coming a time, as time is fulfilled, Jesus will come and establish the full kingdom. But it's up to us right now to begin to believe and repent and then move into the kingdom. That means the new king is Jesus himself. That we need to begin to let God reign in us. Now, we know that that he is reigning in the world, but he has not stepped out and shown himself and taken over fully, even though he already has control because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. But in the meantime, until he comes and establishes that final kingdom, we are to establish um, the kingdom in us. And we are to begin to share that kingdom to those around us. And so that's why we've been looking at what the Bible um, really is meant to do. And the Bible is meant to help us to establish the kingdom in all the ways that we have influence, starting in our life and then spreading outwards. And so we're looking at the assignments that God has called to give us in the meantime until the kingdom comes. We are waiting for the king to come back. And in the meantime, we are his ambassadors. We are his workers to, to, to begin to prepare the ground for the kingdom. Because the kingdom has already started. Uh, the, the, the farmer has already purchased the field. But how many know the field has to be prepared? And then he will come for the harvest. And so we all have assignments. When we are saved, when we come and believe in Jesus and say, I want peace, I want forgiveness, I want to enter into the door to that new kingdom where, God, you are in control because I can trust you, God. It may not be easy, but you uh, have life and, and, and the plans of a future that I can trust. So throughout the Bible, we've been looking at examples of the assignments that he gives us and and. In uh, uh, the New Testament, he tells us everything that we read in the Bible, these are not just stories. It says everything that was written in the past are meant to admonish you. They are meant to challenge you. They are meant to show you um, uh, how God uh, wants you to enter into. So these examples in the Bible, uh, they are uh, uh, templates for what God is calling us to. Now, last week, we looked at the first assignment that God gives us as, as citizens of the kingdom because we are citizens of the kingdom. We are a community of believers. We are a family that uh, through the blood of Jesus, we are now blood uh, together. The first assignment we saw from the very beginning with Noah that God called Noah to build an ark. And that ark was a place of safety. It was a place of redemption. It was a place where community was going to be brought together and sustained. uh, That no matter what the earth uh, faces, we are to build that place of safety. That place of community, of life. And so we talked about building the kingdom. That we're called to build the kingdom. Um, uh, We are to give ourselves to one another uh, to build this family up. Well, today we're going to look at another assignment, the the second assignment. We are not only called to build, but we're going to look at uh, the next great call that God made, and this is in the life of a very uh, familiar person, just like Noah, uh, and his name is Moses. So let's look at Moses in Exodus chapter 3. We know this story, and we're going to go from here. So let's read this story. It says, Now Moses... 
was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert. Now, I don't know where the backside is. I thought that's where we live. I don't know if we live in the front side or the backside, uh, but it's out in the middle of nowhere, no matter what. Uh, I guess uh, the backside is even worse, uh, um, uh, but uh, he takes his flock out to the back of the desert, and he came to Horah, Horeb, the mountain of God. So this is after Moses. He had already grown up in the, in the court of Pharaoh. Uh, we all know the story that he, he grew up rich, even though he knew he was a, a, a Jew, but he grew up with the Pharaoh's daughter as his mom. Um, but we know the story that then he began to uh, see his, his, his own people being mistreated, and, and as they were slaves at that time, and we know the story that uh, an Egyptian was beating a Jew, and he stepped in and, and uh, uh, stepped in for the Jew, and he fought for him, and he killed the Egyptian. But he hit him, and then we knew that he got found out, uh, that the other Jews, he came in to, to settle a dispute with two Jews, and they said, what are you going to do? You're going to kill us like you did the, the Egyptian? And he said, oh my goodness, people know. And so then he ran for his life. And so he said, Pharaoh's going to find out, and he's going to kill me. And so he left, and now we come to this story. It's been 40 years that he's been living out in the desert after he ran uh, from uh, the court of Egypt. And so he comes to this mountain, and it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. And so he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. It's not the, 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 the surprising thing was not that a bush was on fire, uh, but it was that it was not getting burned up. It just kept burning. And so Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn up. So when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. And he said to him, do not draw near this place. Take off your sandals, off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said to him, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. But the Lord said, I have surely seen... Hear this, this verse. I have seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. This is a great insight to God. We've already talked about this. He saw them. He heard them. He knew them. All three things. He saw. He heard. He knew what was going on. And I love this next verse. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey in the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, all the ites are going out and the Jews are coming in. He says, now therefore behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, now here it is, 
I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now, he just said, I've come down to bring them out. So God said, I've decided to do this. But here's the thing. And then it turns around and says, so I'm going to send you. And I said, God, you just said you were going to do it. He said, yeah, you're right. So I'm sending you. You see, here's the, here's the big key. God establishes his kingdom. It is never us that does it, but he never does it without using us. That's an amazing thing, that you are so precious to God, that God has these great, valuable plans, precious plans to do great things, but he values you so much that he says, but you're going to be the way that I do it. He never does it without using us. He says, Moses, I'm going to send you to do this. I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it through you. But I need you to be my hand. I need you to be my face, my voice, and I'm going to work through you. Now, we know the response Moses said, and the same response that maybe we say. Moses said to God, who am I that I should go? I'm I'm an outcast. I'm a murderer. I'm a person wanted. I'm not someone that has power there. In fact, I threw away my power. I'm even worse. It would be better if you just used one of the slaves because uh, they don't have a history. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? But here's what God said. I will certainly be with you. And this will be a sign to you that I have sent you. That when you bring the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. You see, God said, I will be with you. I'm calling you to do it. This is your assignment, but don't be afraid. It's your assignment, but I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be in you. I am going to empower you. If you will trust me, you can do anything that I ask of you. And here's the sign. You will know that I am with you because when you follow me, when you take a step of risk, when you step out and trust me, here's what's going to prove that it was me that brought you out. You and all the people are going to come to this mountain and you're going to serve me. The other word there is you're going to worship me. That, That as you come together and worship I want you to remember that when you come as a family together, when you are with all the people and and you begin to worship God, I want this to come into your mind. You see, God used you to do this. You see, it is because you are faithful to me that the worship of God goes up into heavens and we are able to serve God in that way. So what is the assignment? He said, Moses, you've got an assignment. I have heard my people. My people are hurting My people are crying out, I need you to go help. He said, I need you to go fight for them. The second assignment, not only do we need to build the kingdom of God, we need to fight for the kingdom of God. You as a Christian, as someone has, if you have experienced the forgiveness and the love of what Jesus offers, you need to understand that your assignment is now to fight for the others. You are called to fight for others that that are going through Numerous different types of battles. We are called to fight for one another. We are called to fight for the kingdom of God. We know that the kingdom of God is always being pushed back by the kingdom of this world. 
um, by the kingdom of our own hearts. We know that our own brokenness many times resists what God wants because we are still selfish. We still have that, that old nature within us that wants to do what I want, that wants uh, the, the things that sin puts in us, but we are called to fight that. We are called to fight for ourselves, but not only fight for ourselves, but to fight for one another. So Moses was called to go and deliver his people, and we know that he did. Uh, and he went, and, and he fought. Now, here's the thing. When we fight for each other, you need to understand what you're fighting against. We are not just fighting against the world. We're fighting against our own nature. Uh, many times we're fighting against the, the, uh, uh, the desire, the natural desire with all of us to pull away from one another. We have a natural desire to fight with one another. See, there's a difference between fighting with each other and fighting for one another. And, and we know that when Moses went, he had to not only fight against Pharaoh, but he had, when he went there, his own people said, oh, why should we believe you, Moses? Who put you in charge, Moses, right? And so it was, he had to fight against this nature to pull apart, to be disunited. And I'm going to tell you, as a church, it is easy for us to just come and go and we are never united. We need to fight against the thing to make church just a, a superficial thing. The, the natural tendency for us is to make church just a club, just a, a, a thing that we come and do and then go back to our own lives. He says, I need you to fight to bring unity. I need you to fight to create community. We need to fight for that. We need to fight for family uh, because many times there's things that have broken up our family. And some of it is not necessarily, you know, hatred or sometimes it's just ambivalence. Sometimes it's just complacency because we've just not uh, cared that much for each other. We need to fight to build that community where we are closer together. So I want to look at what the New Testament talks about, and there's many scriptures that tell us the same thing, that just like Moses is called to fight to bring out the children of Israel, we are called to fight for one another because all of us are facing different types of oppression. Just as they were facing the oppression of the Egyptians, many of us, and maybe times we don't even understand what people sitting right around you are facing. We are facing the oppression of our own failures and guilt, and we feel like I'm no good. Um, we're facing the oppression of, of, of outward influences, of temptations and sin in the world. And sometimes we're facing direct attacks from the enemy, whether it's physically, emotionally, relationally. You know, we, we, we have marriages that are under attack. We have families that are under attack, and you don't always know what is going on. We need to then begin to understand that when we come to church, we're not just coming to church, okay, I had a great service, go home. We need to come together and begin to fight for one another as a family to make a community that matters. Now, if we're going to fight for one, does that sound like something that we can just come and go as we please and, and, and just leave it at that? This means that we've got to begin to put roots down together. We need to spend time together. It has to be more than just a casual, hey, how's it going? How's your week going? Good to see you. Boom, and that's it. If that's all, is that fighting for one another? 
is that being someone that can be leaned upon, that is there? First of all, we need to get to know, how can I help you? Do we talk to each other? Do we, we share our hearts with one another so that we know how to fight for one another? And I know many times, well, I'm just a private person. Well, that's fine, but God has called us to be more than just ourself. You see, that's the very essence of the world's uh, uh, kingdom that wants us to just think that, that we're just alone and isolated. And sometimes that's what we have to fight against, our own tendency to, to pull in and just do our own family thing. But this is what it says in the New Testament. In Galatians chapter 6, look at this. It says, brethren, you, the church, family of God, those that know Christ, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual need to restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Now, here's the big difference. Moses tried to fight for his people, first of all, but how did he do it? He did it by force. Well, I'm just going to make them stop, and he killed the, the Egyptian. But the spiritual fight that God has called us to is not forceful, but it is gentle. You might say, how do we fight gently? You know, that is the case. But through the spirit and gentleness, we can begin to lift other people up, restore them in a spirit of gentleness. Now look at this. Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. In other words, as we fight for one another, you need to be careful to not think that you're so great. Here, I'll fight for you. I'm going to lift you up as if I'm... You need to understand, remember, it's God who does it. He uses you, but in a spirit of humility, you need to say, you know what, I'm not worth that. I, you know what, as I'm fighting for you, I'm struggling too. We need to not let a spirit of pride or superiority, self-righteousness, fill us. But we need to understand, consider ourselves that I'm, I'm going to face the same thing at some point in time. And so in gentleness and humility... We bear one another. The very next verse says, Therefore, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We need to bear one another's burdens. We are called. Now, the imagery that he uses here is one of a battle. It is one of soldiers. Um, that, because it goes on after this verse and it says, Take heed for yourself. Uh, again, don't get prideful because everyone has to carry his own load. So it says we need to bear one another's burdens even though we're carrying our own load. So what does it mean? Do we carry others or do we carry our own? The, the picture here is of a battle. That we are in a warfare and you need to understand that we are under attack by an enemy. And we all have the same battle. So it is like we are in a foxhole with one another. We need to bear one another's battles. I got your back. As you are shooting at the enemy this way, I'm shooting at the enemy this way. I'm trusting that you got my back. You can trust that I've got my back. We're bearing each other's burdens. We're fighting together. We're leaning on one another. We have to understand, we need to let one another know that I'm in this battle with you. You're not alone. And we need to begin to do that. I don't think we've done that as a family, as a body, as much as we should have, as much as we need to. Because sometimes we're so focused on my own fight that I can't take time to worry about your fight. But here's what you're not understanding. If you don't take time to worry about their fight, your fight is going to turn really bad because no one's going to have your back. If you want to worry about your fight, the best way to carry your load is to bear one another's burdens. 
Because when you begin to care for others, when you begin to love one another, give yourself for others, that means sometimes sacrificing your time, sometimes sacrificing your energy, your emotional energy for one another, you're going to find that your burden is carried also. So we are to bear one another's burdens. We are to fight for one another. We are to fight alongside one another. And we cannot be ashamed to share our burdens with others. I don't want to tell them what I'm going through. They're going to think I'm weak. We've all gone through the same things. Now, I know that that's hard for us. We, we never, and I've done the same thing. We can never un- think that someone else will understand me. They're always going to think I'm, I'm, I'm weak. But that is not true. If we are truly the family of God, now I'm, that happens someplace where people have shared and they've been hurt because of it. We need to build this as a safe place. We already talked about that last place. If we have built this to be a safe place for one another, then we can begin to share and become vulnerable for one another so that we know that we are in this together, that, that we're not going to judge one another. But we're going we're gonna to be there and say, don't worry about it. I don't care what you failed at. And maybe it's someone that you thought would never fail, but we need to be able to say that whatever they go through, you know what? I could do it too. And so we need to understand one another and love one another and bear our burdens without judgment, without condemnation to say, you know what? It's okay. It's okay. We're all in this battle together. We are to bear one another's burdens. Are we fighting for the kingdom? You see, we're not just saved. We are fighters for the kingdom. And that means for the family. That means for the body, for the church. Well, in Romans, it says this. It says, we then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak. And don't just please yourself. We're not in this for ourselves. Here's the thing. You need to understand whether you think you're not dealing with any problems, that, that's not too many of us. We, we sometimes maybe deceive ourselves, but we know that even though we think we're strong, we're really not all that strong. But even if we think we're strong, then we need to bear with others. Whatever strength we do have, we need to be there for others because there's times where others, they're, they're not strong. And can we be the strength for others? Do you offer your strength to others? That's a a big question. Are we truly bearing up those around us? It says this, let each of us, oh, now here's, here's the real key of fighting. How do we fight for one another? Let each of us please his neighbor for his good leading to edification. It doesn't, don't, don't, we spend all of our efforts to please ourselves. He says a real fighter A real fighter means that even if you have to give up pleasure, even if you have to give up convenience, your fight is to please others. What can I do to make something easier for you? I am called. It says this. This is the word of God. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, for his edification. What can I do to make someone else better? How can I lift them up for them to be stronger? Even if it means that they get the recognition and I don't. Ooh, that's hard. Many times I want the recognition. No, here's the great, this is what Jesus says. Find pleasure in other people getting recognized more than you. 
That's what a fighter does. If you are fighting for the kingdom, the joy of the Lord is when other people get recognition. Praise God because that's what I fought for. I fought for you, not for me. You see, it says, for even, and here's where it it comes down, for even Christ did not please himself, but it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached fell on me. Jesus said, Even Jesus didn't worry about recognition. In fact, he got crucified. He got mocked. He got made fun of. He got got tortured. And yet he was willing to do it for us. He said, I'm fighting for you. Even if it means I get punched in the gut. Even if it means I'm the one that loses my place on the team. I'm the one that doesn't get to do this because I fought for the kingdom. And as long as the kingdom strong, that's more than important. Because even Christ gave himself for us. Christ fought for you. Christ gave everything for you. How can we not fight for the kingdom? Again, Philippians, you see this pattern. It's just going on and on. It says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition, conceit, but in lowliness of mind, here it is, let each esteem others as better than himself. Don't even fight for them, but consider that they're better than me. You know what? God's taking care of me. I'm going to make you more important than me. Make sure other people are more important than yourself. Wow, are we fighting for others in that way? You know, sometimes we fight for others by just doing a token. Hey, whatever I can be there for you, brother, I'm praying for you. And yet, are we esteeming others as better? They're more important than me. They are the ones that need it, and so therefore, I'm willing to give says, let each of you look out not only for your own interests, but for the interests of others. You see, this is what it looks like to fight for one another. Again, is this our church? Where our church is a family that's bonded together, that this is not just a, a social club that comes and goes, oh, when are we meeting this week? Okay, we'll see you then. But we are, you notice this, this is a picture of a, a squadron, a, a, a platoon of men who are fighting together. You know, Zach's going to be going into the Navy, and we'll be praying for him in just a few weeks. And I know what it feels like. I've been at that basic training for the first week. You know what? Uh, uh, you don't love life too much. But then it becomes great. You know why it is great? And I loved the military. I know my wife doesn't always agree because she wasn't in it, but I loved it because once you get past that, you know, that pain, and there's always a painful threshold, but then there is a, a, a feeling of camaraderie. You are in this together. You are, you are bonded together, and you are fighting for a purpose, and there is a sense of, of, of identity and meaning, and this is what God has called us in the church to, and yet many of us have never entered, we've never gotten past that first week or so. As soon as it gets hard, we quit. You know what? We, we don't want, I don't want the basic training. And yet, God says, but you got to push through that and begin to give of yourself so that then you move into that place where now you feel that, and many times churches never get past that. To where we never begin to experience that and we need to begin to consider one another to, to, to say we are in this together. We are going to find a common purpose and that is to serve God and that is to build his kingdom and begin to take it to the world around us. And again, he says, let this mind be in you which is, was in Christ Jesus. Everything that he asked us to do, Jesus did first. He's the one that did the same thing for us. He pushed through the cross. 
and he didn't give up. Now, he wanted to. He understands what you feel like because he said, God, if you could take this away from me, God, I'd really appreciate it. I don't know if I can do this. This is getting harder than what I thought. But he said, but, but God, your will be done. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it through. And it says because of that, then God exalted him. And God brought the family to him, and he is now the head of the church. And, and all things are put at his feet. So we are called to fight. We are called to begin to give ourselves. Now, here's the big thing. But what if they're not giving themselves for me? It is never dependent on what others are doing. It's all about us giving ourselves. It's like a marriage. You can't say, I'll only love you if you love me. Because, you know, if, if, it's, if it's only based on this uh, 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 back and forth, neither one's ever going to be happy. We have to unselfishly give of ourselves, even when the other person doesn't give back. Now, here's the thing. We don't only fight for the church. The kingdom of God is more than just the church. Many times we get caught in this, in this trap that, that the kingdom of God is the church and that's it. And that's the problem with conservatives. I'm going to just tell you. Because conservatives is all about we're defending our right, we're protecting our children, we're, we're building, and it becomes this, we've raised walls up and you're just wrong and we're coming against the evil people and all these things and so therefore we pull back, that's why we call it conservatives because we're trying to conserve it, we're saving it, protecting it. God never called you to be a conservative, in fact it is wrong. You don't have to conserve anything, God doesn't need you to protect that. But at the same time, we have the opposite side who is, is just, um, you know what, forget the church. We just need to go out and love everyone, and it's, it's not a fight. We need to just accept everyone. So one is fighting against us against you. The other side is, well, we're just all together, kumbaya, let's just love one another, and, and it's, it's very accepting. So here's the problem. We fall into either we become uh, uh, too uh, dogmatic and and isolationist or we become too accommodating and therefore we water down the gospel and and it's just you know what that's okay however you think you want to do it that's fine i'm gonna tell you liberalism is wrong too if you're a liberal you are not following the word of god well that kind of leaves us if god has not called us to be conservative god has definitely not called us to be liberal both are wrong so when you go on social media these back and forth both sides are wrong what God has called us to is to fight for the kingdom. Because the kingdom is not just the church. The kingdom is the reign of God. And the reign of God is the life of Christ. Now think about the life of Christ. Jesus loved the church. Jesus loved his body. But Jesus never demanded his own and he fought for the lost also. He went and ate dinner with the sinners. Now he did not condone them so he did not become accommodating but he no way raised the barrier where you have to fit into my place before I will fight for you now I will fight for you in the effort that you will come to know Christ not that you will come to follow the way things I think they should be but that you will be transformed that you will enter through that door of forgiveness and into the kingdom of God. 
It, in, instead of a wall, it, it, it is an opening up of, of a uh, kind of like the cells in our body. Do you know that they, they work in such a way that, that bad things can't come in, but it's always meant for, for oxygen and water and the good things to come and go. It, it's kind of this porous, it comes and goes. We are called to, to fight for the church, to build the church, but the whole point of the church is for us to then go out and love the world and show compassion. The greatest story that Jesus told was of the man who was beaten and left on the side of the road. And the Jews, who were his own people, walked by and didn't want to help him. But who came along and helped him? A Samaritan. Now, the reason he said this, a Samaritan and the Jews were bitter enemies. So it says that the Samaritan helped him and, and mended his wounds and took him uh, to the inn and, and made way for his, his healing. He did it for those who hated him. We are to be that way to those who hate us. Whether those are on the outside, those that have different views of us, we are to love them and to fight for them. We are fighting for their soul. I don't care what their political views are. We need to actually forget the political views and stop letting that even be a focus. That's not what we're fighting for. We're not fighting for one side or the other. I'm fighting for the kingdom of God, for God's reign in their life. Maybe, maybe they need God's reign in their, in, their, in their emotional life because they have been just tormented by guilt or, or depression. And yet, all we care about is their political views. We need to begin to fight for the world. We need to begin to fight for the lost. We need to begin to fight for those that maybe used to be in the church, but aren't anymore. In fact, it says this in Hebrews. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. You see, all of us could be pulled away in a moment. And we know people that have been pulled away. Are we fighting for those? Or we say, they just, you know, they've chosen their way and so we therefore, we judge them. We put them in a category that, that they're, they're not worthy anymore. And yet God says, no, you need to, even those that have fallen away, those that have hurt, those that have scorned you, you need to fight for them. In James, it says this, Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, and a lot of this is in the context of prayer. In James, he's talking about praying for one another. You need to let him know that one who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death. And cover a multitude of sin. Do we have compassion on others that may live a life that, that we don't agree with? Or do we always just want to tell them, well, change your life first. And it, No. We need to be the people of compassion that fight for the hurting. That fight for the downtrodden. That fight for uh, 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 those that are oppressed. We are the people to stand for justice and mercy. And, and for transformation. We need to... Be the people that fight for people outside the church, not just in the church. This is what the kingdom of God looks like. 
When we begin to fight for that type of kingdom, will it not draw others? Will people not see, I want someone to fight for me? You know, I think there's people all through the world that, that hate Christ because they've not seen Christians that are willing to fight for them, that are there for them. And we can be there with them without ever lowering our, our standard because that's just the nature of God. We need to answer our assignment and fight. Let me close with this scripture. Because I love this. It comes back to that sign that, that God told Moses. How do you know that you've been fighting? How do you know that you've been fighting for one another? Here's, here's the answer. Colossians chapter 3 says this. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, hopefully that's us, if you have come to know Christ, it says, put on tender mercies, and kindness, and humility, and meekness, and long-suffering. These are our weapons of fighting. This is how you fight uh, as we begin to put on uh, uh, humility, and kindness, and meekness, and long-suffering. Bear with one another. Don't get annoyed with them, but bear with one another. Forgive one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do this. But above all things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body. And be thankful. Now look at this last verse. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom Teaching and admonishing, that word admonishing is fighting, warning, exhorting, which means spurring someone on. Come on, guys, we need to do this. We need to get better. This is what he's called. Let the word of Christ dwell in us richly so that in wisdom we are teaching one another. We're fighting for one another. And look at what it says. We are doing it, the admonishing and the teaching, in Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. You know what he says? That in the end, as we are filled with the word of Christ and as we are fighting for one another and as we are, are, are fighting with one another alongside, not amongst one another, what does it say? It will be filled with songs and spiritual hymns and worship because when we worship together, this is a sign that we are, we are fighting the battle. He says, Moses, here's how you know that, that not that your battle's done, but that I'm working through you, that I am using you as you fight one another, that you will come together and you will begin to sing songs and worship God, and the worship of God binds you together. Because in the end, we are all fighting, and one of the greatest ways we fight is we fight through worship when we worship God we are fighting against the darkness we are casting down all the things that come against us our greatest weapon is the worship of God and that's why we sing that's why we 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 uh, 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 come together and worship so I want to ask you today 
Will you take this assignment and begin to fight for one another? To fight for this body, for this church that God has put us in, this community. Not not that we're better than anyone else, but that as we fight for this community, we also fight for all the other churches around us and all those that don't know the Lord around us. We are fighting for the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is not just our church, but it is where God reigns. And I want others to know the reign of God in their life because that is where the fullness of life is, where we can come together and worship God and sing songs of joy knowing that God is at work in our life. Let's pray.